My name is Brandon Wood. That guy right there is Jay to the MC, Jordan McDonald. How are you, sir? What's up? What's up? I'm doing great. How are good. you today? Good. Hey, I'm good. We were Jordan and I were just talking before while the mics were heating up. You like that? He's <laughs> <laughs> a little lingo. I don't know what that means. I had mine in a microwave. I'm not, <laughs> not supposed to do that. <laughs> I don't know. No, so watch out while, for radiation. Right. While the mics were heating up, <clears throat> we were t- talking about how, you know, we don't. We haven't released any of these yet. So if you guys hear this, uh, and you're listening to episode. I, I would assume that when you get to episode seven, which we are on right now, it's because you're addicted to the dulcet tones of our voices. <laughs> and if you're watching on YouTube, it's because you were watching something other than us and then stumbled across <laughs> it. <laughs> but we were commenting on it because, uh, well, two things. Number one. We haven't released any. We haven't done. We haven't recorded in a few weeks. We had Thanksgiving that came up, and just kind of scheduling things around that. Jordan was trying to immigrate to Europe, and that didn't work out, and so he's back. <laughs> um, it was too cold. That's right. Was- <laughs> that's right. Too many French people. And then <laughs> we um, were talking about how, and I don't, Jordan, you should comment on this, but like seven podcasts is kind of the that's the tipping point, right? It's like if you're making a TV show. When you hit a hundred episodes, all of a sudden you're eligible for syndication, all these things. And so you just start making a bunch more money. I'm waiting for that part, but, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that but might be episode, episode seven. seven. Yeah. Episode seven. I mean, right. Uh, I was actually looking at lucky numbers around the world and, uh, seven is, it tends to be, uh, pretty universally lucky, uh, globally. Lie. You know, I, uh, you know, you're putting me on the spot now Sorry. and uh, I don't remember the reason. <laughs> well, cause isn't in, I guess, I guess in Chinese culture, I believe, and I could be very wrong and some snowflake is going to be like, that's where you yeah. It's not dude, China, like the country. It's okay to say Chinese, um, that the number <laughs> eight is, uh, because it's like infinity, I guess when turned on. Oh, inside. sure. Yeah. So I think that might be good luck in some places. Absolutely. And, and three know. and four and well, but okay. So seven, right. On the seventh day in the Bible, that was mm. God's rest day. You know, he was, and then also it seems that, uh, it's used several times to indicate completeness, completeness uh, in the Bible. So at, at least from that perspective, seven yeah. is lucky. Yeah. So in masonry, as I'm a Freemason, bring on the conspiracy emails. <laughs> yeah. um, seven is an important number as well. Um, but I can't tell you why I'd have to <laughs> have somebody else kill you. <laughs> but it is quite the accomplishment. I mean, for whatever reason, uh, yeah. most podcasts don't make it to seven and certainly not past seven. Uh, there's a lot of variables there, right? I mean, as we know, scheduling yeah. is constantly a challenge. Yes. Um, fortunately, technological hurdles have not been something we've encountered yet. Yep. Um, but uh, as you go sing your voice around the world, you know that we, we could encounter that. Uh, well, I think though that, you know, what we're trying to do, and I think that, you know, there are a lot of people that might be listening and this is, so today, just FYI, before we get into this little tangent that I'm about to take, is we're going to talk about the history of billboards. You know, we've been addressing all these different aspects of marketing thus far and billboards is believe it or not, one of the oldest kinds that we are going to be talking about so far. Um, But one of the ways that we're trying to do this for anyone else that might be listening to um, this and kind of considering doing a podcast of their own is that when you record doesn't have to be when you publish. 
that's kind of the beauty of a podcast is that it's radio that you can schedule, right? Um, it, it's very funny. My daughter is 12 and she can't fathom the fact that you have to, you, you, it used to be, if you want to watch Friends, when it was on, you had to like be home on Thursday at eight o'clock or whatever it was, right? And it's fascinating to her because she doesn't know a world without DVR, right? And Or YouTube and all that kind of stuff. And, and I'm listening to right now, Matthew Perry's new book. Uh, oh gosh, I can't remember the name of it, but it's all, it's all about his struggle with addiction. It's, it's actually a fascinating book. Um, so I typically do book on tape because I just don't have time. Uh, it is called friends, lovers, and the big terrible thing. That's the name of the book. It's really great. Uh, but he's talking about kind of his, his life cycle and how he got into friends. And he was like, it used to be the time slots were this coveted thing. And I guess, I guess in some markets they still are, but that's again, the beauty of podcasting is that you can schedule it whenever I have podcasts. There's a podcast I listen to called stuff you should know. Um, and I will go and just go back in their back catalog, which is now like 12 or 13 years. And obviously there's like sound difference in quality as it increases over time, but I'll go back and listen to things from 13 years ago and I'll be like, Whoa, that's so awesome. I just learned about this, you know? So, Anyway, I digress. Yes. You know, and that that's, yeah, that's a great point. What is the meaning of time? No, that's, that's not the point you're making. But uh, <laughs> let's continue to obfuscate around our history of billboards and go down a completely different road. What is life, Jordan? Yeah, well, you know, that could be a very, very in-depth uh, podcast that would never end, I think. My, my daughter asked me that recently. She's, again, 12. She's sure. like, why are we here? I was like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> And I was like, listen, here's the easy answer. Have kids and then we'll talk. Because that right there, certainly not a knock on people that don't have kids. But like when you have somebody, something that you love like that, that pretty much takes care of all those answers pretty quickly. Anyway. Yes. So I I will say in preparing for this podcast, which does have a topic that Brandon already mentioned, and it's about billboards in the history. It's really fascinating because... Um, and this is totally related to what what we do um, and, and this whole sector, is, which is SEO. Yep. Uh, and so when you're looking for the history of, of billboards, right, everybody, it's, it's a good thing to have a history of article um, yes. and to have that as the title. And, and so it can actually be very challenging, not just for researching billboards, but for, for researching anything, um, th- there's going to be a slew of articles, you know, page after page of Google search results that, you know, many of them are either parroting others or they're, they're incomplete in the worst level, yep. but for some reason they're at the top, well, for multiple reasons they're, they're at the top. Uh, and, and yeah, it's, it's, uh, it was kind of a travesty to, to think about that while I, while I was moving around, you know, some of these words have been, you know, misapportioned yes. or what have you. It's, it's, it is interesting what I'm doing, Agreed. Likewise, doing research is, it's kind of like you search for whatever you're searching for, especially history of, like you're saying, the first thing that you're going to find is always an industry article, some written by somebody who is like Johnny Billboard over here or something like that, because what, like, that's where their, that's where their ball bounces. Like that's, that's their business. And in Johnny's case, it's his last name. So like <laughs> though in those people, it's, so you're getting a skewed kind of answer to it a little bit uh, from a historical perspective, maybe not that, but it's 
But at the end of the day, if you're looking for statistics, which we are going to talk about, the statistical part is where I kind of like, I, I, I had my eyebrows raised more than once in looking at some of these things because I was like, really? Like the, <laughs> the CPM, which is the, the CPM is measured in like, thousands of eyes, right? Or thousands of impressions is the CPM um, per conversion, right? Am I voicing that correctly? Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that's right. So we think about that in the digital space a lot. If you see an ad for, I, I have my iPhone, for the iPhone 14, and you see this ad, how many time, how many thousands of eyes, or thousands of sets of eyes, I guess, have to see that in order to result in a purchase? And then that's how you can kind of calculate your ROI. Well, billboards are the same exact thing, you know? So it's very, it's very interesting. So why don't we look at some of the history that's, of billboards? Absolutely. Cool. I, I do want to say one tangent um, before we, we move on CPM, right? Yep. Where it was the cost per a thousand uh, eyes of viewership, but it, yep. it actually, obviously CPM that <laughs> M doesn't stand for eyes, right? What does it stand for? I guess it initially stood for miles, which is oh. totally in line with billboards. Interesting. <clears throat> well, yeah. And there's a lot, by the way, when we get into the history of these things, there's a lot to go into that because when the highway beautiful act came out and the billboards were much more limited and all of those things, it was like, how do you, it, basically it concentrated where billboards could be. That's why on some places you're going into a city and you're like, holy crap, they're just billboards everywhere. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like so it's fascinating. Uh, let's do this. Um, I want to pull up pound market. So there's this, there's this market in North Carolina and I'm going to kind of um, talk about this as we kind of begin to get into, <clears throat> excuse me, history of billboards. Um, it's called Powell's. It's, it is a farmer's market, like straight up. So when you're driving to the, to the Outer Banks, uh, I'm from Southeastern Virginia. Our family has a, has a house in Kitty Hawk. Um, and when you're driving down there, you see these signs all on the way for Powell's. And Powell's is like, it's rustic, let's just say. <laughs> so, but you see signs for like 20 miles and they're little signs. Now, the other thing about little signs is that you look at a stop sign, you're like, oh, look, it's a little stop sign. But then when you pick up a stop sign, it's like five feet tall and you're like, holy crap. <laughs> so the size of the signs, I look at them and I'm like, oh, it's a cute little sign. It's probably like 18 feet across. And I'm like, oh, I just had no idea. So, but it's very fascinating how much people engage in their marketing. In their case, their, that road that Powell's is on is a captive audience. So, because that is the way to the Outer Banks um, from coming from Virginia. Yes, there are ways you can go across Ocracoke and take ferries. You could come up from the south. But if you're going from the north, from Virginia, um, that's probably what you're going to see. So, I just think it's very interesting because we think about billboards as one thing, but really, they are many, many things. And so, with that, let's talk about the history of billboards, shall we, sir? Yes, we shall. So I am looking at this, uh, and as always, we're going to try to make sure that the, here, Jordan, I'm going to send you this link in our little chat over here so you can be looking at it as well. Um, we're going to try to put links to the things that we talk about, kind of our source materials in our show notes. So if you're watching this on YouTube, fantastic. Check out down below. Um, if you are 
uh, listening on your podcast app. Once you have pulled over, if you're driving, uh, please check out the show notes. You could see some of these. And if you want a written copy of these, send us $75 in a self-addressed stamped envelope and we'll get that done. <laughs> um, so early billboards were basically large. Now, well, I, you know what? Sorry, I'm going to cut myself off. Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> You self-censorship. This thank is you. This, you like not that? in China, bro. So Jordan, why don't you read kind of the opener to this? Because I think it's important that we define what we're talking about as a billboard. So there's this first kind of like three paragraph at thingies before we get into the, into the history. Absolutely. And just to make sure I'm on the same page. It's the one that has the word hoarding in it, right? Yes, sir. Okay. <laughs> So again, this is billboard uh, entry on Wikipedia. Uh, and it says a billboard also called a hoarding in the UK and many other parts of the world is a large outdoor advertising structure, a billing board typically found in high traffic areas, such as alongside busy roads, billboards present large advertisements or advertisements, depending on where you're from. To Love passing it. pedestrians and drivers. Typically, brands use billboards to build their brands or to push for their new products. The largest ordinary sized billboards, and it doesn't define that here, but I'm sure we will find it later. The largest ordinary sized billboards are located primarily on major highways, expressways, or principal arterials and command high density consumer exposure, mostly to vehicular traffic. These afford greatest visibility due not only to their size, but because they allow creative, quote, customizing through extensions and embellishments. Posters are the other common form of billboard advertising compared to ordinary size billboards. And these posters are located mostly along primary and secondary arterial roads. Posters are a similar format and are viewed principally by residents and commuter traffic with some pedestrian exposure. I love it. And I will say that that made me think of something else that we'll talk later is when billboards like go right at each other. I have you ever seen these like facing? No, uh, I'll pull it up. I'll share, yeah. I'll share a screen. So for people watching, they can hear it, but we'll kind of describe it because it, it's, it's very cool. <clears throat> Excuse me. When billboards actually are like kind of like dueling billboards. It's oh, yeah. hilarious. It's wonderful. <laughs> so here is a bit of a history. So early billboards were basically large posters on the side of buildings with limited but still appreciable commercial value. As roads and highways multiplied, the billboard business thrived. So from a historical perspective, and I, I look, we're, we're, yes, you could certainly question the validity of Wikipedia these days, um, but I feel like this is just kind of like facts, right? Hashtag facts. <laughs> so uh, the first That's thing- That's unused, right? Exactly. <laughs> um, late 15th century, something called fly posting was widely practiced throughout Europe. Now, fly posting um, is also known as wild posting or bill posting, right? So you will, we still see this. Um, it's kind of a guerrilla marketing tactic where advertising posters are put up. Now, they're not always posters like posters that we would consider kind of your, what, 20 by 30 or whatever that poster is today. But they might just be like your sheet of paper size stuff, right? Posters are commonly referred to as white paste posters because white, or excuse me, wheat paste because wheat paste is often used to adhere the poster. So these are the ones that you're going to see even today still stuck on like 
uh, I don't know, they put up kind of kiosks around some universities, you know, to say, oh, here's this thing that's happening over here. You, you've seen these, Jordan, right? Oh, yes. yes. Yeah. Flight posting, still used, and it's been used since the late 15th century. In 1796, lithography was invented, making real posters possible because you could mass produce them, right? It wasn't just having to hand write or hand paint or whatever. You know, you could reproduce them at a, at volume. So that makes sense. Uh, 1835, Jared Bell was making nine by six posters for the circus in the U S and by the way, some of those, um, you know, the kind of like the midway and the, the sideshow that they're, they're painted on canvas. Um, some of those things, because I watch, uh, what's the show American pickers. Is that what it's called? Hmm. You know what I'm talking about? I don't uh, it's fantastic. I forget the name. I think it's called American Pickers. Um, that show, they'll find one of those every now and then. They're worth a ton of money. Not the same as a billboard, really, but it's a thing within a circus itself that is saying, hey, come see the two-headed Jordan or whatever it is. Jordan only has, <laughs> Jordan only has one head. <laughs> that you know. Be quiet over there. Um, <clears throat> so... Earliest known billboard rentals took place in 1867. 1871, Frederick Walker designed one of the first art posters. In 1872, International Bill Posters Association of North America was established, which is now known as the Outdoor Advertising Association of America, the OAAA, as a billboard lobbying group. <clears throat> 1889, the world's first 24-sheet billboard was displayed at the Paris Exposition and later at the 1893 World's Columbian Exposition in Chicago. The format was quickly adopted for various types of advertising, especially for circuses, traveling shows, and movies. Early 1900s, poster art schools were established in England, Austria, and Germany. 1908, Model T automobile was introduced in the U.S., increasing the number of people using highways and therefore the reach of roadside billboards. And this is kind of where we see that shift, right? I don't think of a billboard today as a pedestrian thing. It's to me, it's purely a driving thing. You know what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. Oh, now. absolutely. Um, Unless you're in Times Square, I suppose. Yeah. But I mean, until 10 years ago or whatever it is, Times Square was a big, there was a lot of traffic through there too, but yes, That's exactly. Um, 1919 Japanese. Oops. Yeah, I did that. All right. 1919 Japanese candy company, Glico introduced its building spanning billboard. The Glico man, Glico man is in Dotonbori right by Dotonbori bridge in Osaka. I have been there. I have spent time there. It's very cool. Glico man is still there since 1919 wild. You can click on that little link there, Jordan, and check it out. Yeah, I'm looking at it. Yeah, it's a, interesting. Yeah, he's a little running dude that you kind of see in that in that uh, sign. Yeah, it's weird. Anyway, uh, let's see. Okay, 1925, Burma Shave made billboards lining the highways. 1936, the Wall Drug billboards started to go up nationwide. Uh, 1960, the mechanized Kani Doraku billboard was built also in Dotonbori, Osaka. So the whole Dotonbori area of Osaka is like this, it's kind of a, there's a river that runs right there through there, right? Um, the Dotonbori Canal. Uh, and so what you're going across is the Dotonbori Bashi Bridge. And so up and down this canal, there are tons of billboards. It's right near Umeda and Shinsaibashi and all that kind of stuff. 
1965, the Highway Beautification Act was passed uh, after much campaigning by Lady Bird Johnson. In 1971, Public Health Cigarette Smoking Act banned cigarette ads in television and radio, moving that business business into billboards. And as we know, cigarette smoking has uh, become something that no one ever does ever these days. I'm just kidding. Stop smoking, please. <laughs> 1981, the Supreme Court overturned a San Diego billboard ban, but left room open for other cities to ban commercial billboards. 1986, non-television non advertising became restricted, uh, as now non-television advertisements could not show people smoking. This meant that Benson and & Hedges and Silk Cut, amongst other brands, advertised their cigarettes through increasingly indirect and obscure campaigns to a point where they became recognizable. Enter Joe Camel, right? And the Marlboro Man. Remember that dude? Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure died of cancer. Uh, 1998. Boy, I am definitely biased against smoking. Just FYI. <laughs> um, 1998, the four major U.S. tobacco companies signed the Tobacco Master Settlement Agreement, which eliminated billboard advertising of cigarettes in 46 states. 2000, but they still have middle schoolers to do their advertising for them. 2007, <laughs> the industry adopted one sheet plastic poster replacement for paper poster billboards and began the phase out of PVC flexible vinyl, replacing it with eco plastics such as polyethylene. 2010, the first scented billboard. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> what emitting <Is> odors <laughs> similar to chark odors it's one of those words <laughs> not aromas not aromas, not aromas which odors. has a positive context boy that is odorific first scented billboard emanating uh, emitting rather or emanating whatever odors similar to charcoal and black pepper to suggest a steak grilling was erected in mooresville north carolina by the bloom grocery chain to promote the sale of beef. Um, 2010, augmented billboards were introduced in the Transmedial Festival 2010 in Berlin using Artvertiser. I see what you did there. So there are a lot of billboards that you guys know that are very famous. The Sitco billboard at Kimmore Square in Boston, right outside of Fenway Park. Um, the Hollywood sign, technically, which used to say, Jordan, Hollywood Land. Did you know that? No, I did not. Yes, the land park got taken off. Um, or it fell down or, and it was only resurrected to be anyway. Yes. So that used to be a thing. Uh, Coca-Cola billboard in Kings Cross, Australia, Sydney, Australia. Uh, the Coca-Cola sign, it says this is in Times Square. Um, yeah. So some of these you guys might know. So Piccadilly Circus in London, you know, very well known kind of billboard, actually similar to Times Square. Um, so yeah, there, there are a lot of very well known billboards uh, that are out there. There are artists' billboards, right? These are exactly what they sound like. Um, digital billboards, which we see today, you know, we have the ones where um, I'm thinking of a couple of kind of digital billboards where it's just literally and probably, I don't know if it's LED. What, what, what would it be LED or LCD? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Whichever is most weather resistant. <laughs> well, I guess it always depends on, yeah, what type of substrate you're putting in front of those emitting yep. diodes, right? Yep. Um, yep. 
but the brightest like OLED, it's known for great color accuracy, but it's not advised in rooms, uh, you know, for personal use. If you have a TV, OLED is great, but it doesn't get as bright as the competing LED or quantum LED technology. So I'd have to imagine they're LEDs. Yeah, so LEDs. The thing, the, you're going to see a jumbotron, right, at a at Rockies at Coors Field or something like that. That's probably a big, giant, fat LED with a mount on top. <laughs> oh yeah. <clears throat> um, and then you've got the ones that do you, do you remember these that were like a series of vertically oriented mm. triangles that would. I, I imagine they're triangles, and so like every how it was sixty seconds, thirty, whatever it is, they would all rotate so oh, that yes. now you would see the next the next one and then the next one. So oh, you, yeah, I still paying, see those somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. And they're not as expensive as you think either. Uh, there's a podcast I listen to Tim pool as a journalist and he talks about, they, they have what they call chicken city um, where they just put up cause he can't put up anything political in like times square, but mm-hmm. it was like 800 bucks for like a, a week or so of, X amount of views per day. And I, I think they, how they break it down and we're not probably not going to break down cost and things like that right now. Uh, we'll get into a little bit of that, but different places are going to quantify how they charge differently. In any event, I was shocked on initially reading it, that things like fly posting went back to the late 15th century. I mean, that's oh, insane. Yeah. I, I had no idea, you know? but then I think about uh, when I started considering it, I was like, well, I mean, people want to talk about the things they're doing. They want to talk about their play. You know, if you've got Shakespeare around-ish that time, um, people that are kind of talking about things. We even see things like graffiti in Pompeii. You know, I mean, graffiti isn't necessarily the same thing, but it's kind of saying, hey, Bob was here or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. um, and it, it all of it is a, is a form of getting a message out to a broader audience, right? Uh, absolutely. And there's so much to unpack here. And we're definitely not going to unpack it all. But a few things that stand out to me is if you look at it in its entirety, holistically, it started as such a a manual affair, right? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, I mean, did did we have the year the printing press came out? Well, oh, Gutenberg Press, I'll look it up. Yeah. Well, whatever the case, I'm sure people, even if the printing press was still out, there were still people that were making these posters or larger advertisements um, by hand, Uh, hand painting, right? This it's what a, what a labor. I I was going to say labor of love because it just rolls off the tongue, but uh, I'm sure these people are getting paid. Maybe they weren't getting paid what they deserve to get paid because that's, uh, that's the artist's life uh, in so many cases. Um, but it's interesting to see that progression of these, um, these static, right. These static billboards, mm-hmm. um, that they're serving their purpose, but by the nature of the beast uh, and that beast being the evolution of technology just had not arrived yet for there to be, um, the, the mechanical or, you know, I guess somebody hadn't thought of those triangles that, that, sure. that moved to show new things, right. By the nature of the beast, it's, it's very static. Yes. It's serving its ad for Coca-Cola. Um, and it's, it's there. Um, and yeah, yeah. But as time goes on, they can be very dynamic, but there's, there's that inverse relationship where, uh, of course the sun is going to take its toll on any medium that you put out on this planet, Mm -hmm. uh, some faster than others, but it's, it's interesting to think that there's today, um, it requires a skilled, 
workforce to be able to install or repair or maintain these very, uh, you know, in, in many ways they're exotic. I mean, nobody, nobody sure. You can have a poster in your house, right. But to have a, um, you know, like I was just pulling up, uh, uh what was the first electronified billboard? And mm. it was one for, um, uh, Heinz, the Heinz company. Uh, you might, you might've heard okay. of them before. I'm cool. not sure if you, I know you don't like smoking, but, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so apparently it was in 1902. Um, mm. and it was, uh, the first electric display of its kind. And it, it was over six stories tall. Wow. Uh, and it, and it used over 1200 incandescent lights. Um, and it had, and then it had on top of that, a 43 foot long flashing pickle. <laughs> well, Cause that's what the 57 I believe stood for is 57 varieties of pickles. Interesting. Heinz 57. You like I had that? no idea. I, you see, I learned something new from this and guy. Just a plethora of useless crap. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but all it, as well. Yeah, it's. I, I think that you know, at the end of the day, that and we talk about this all the time in marketing more broadly is that uh, advertisers are so like our clients, right? If we're talking about ads, because a billboard is a paid ad, whether whether in the case of Powell's Market, whether all hand painted, just on like plywood or something, they're replaced each year. There is a cost to it, even if that cost is like, hey. Bob, can I put this sign up in your yard? Sure. Give me a hundred bucks for the season and you're good. There's a cost to it. So they're going to want to see the uh, return on investment. They're going to see that dollar go further and result in more dollars coming in more quickly. Um, I also think that there's, you brought this up a second ago, the way that we consider how a billboard is placed should be very strategic. I think some people, and if you're a, if you're a brand like Chevy, right? You're probably not, and I don't know what the laws are in this place that I'm about to mention. I would assume it's not super billboard friendly, but you're probably not putting up a Chevy truck ad in San Francisco. You may be putting up a Chevy EV ad in San Francisco, um, but you that's the kind of thinking that you have to go through. So again, if you've got a, a lighted billboard and you're going to do, oh, this is the coolest billboard or what have you, well, guess what? Where do you want that ad to be? Do you want it to probably have a northern exposure? Either a northern exposure because it's always going to have uh, darkness on it, therefore making the lights, the lighted features be that much more prominent, or have a billboard which you want to serve people. So you're talking about hungry man dinners or something like this. Well, are you placing that ad where people are going to see it on their way to work? or when they're going to see it on their way home. Because when they're going to see it on their way home, that's when they're going to go, man, not, I haven't eaten a hungry man dinner in like 25 years or something <laughs> like this. But, but that's where you want to put that ad. It's the same thing with like Applebee's or something like that. You want to be strategic about putting, man, I am choosing the brands that are just things that I have not eaten and consumed in years. <laughs> God. But you want to put that where it's going to be impactful to the audience that's seeing it. And the bulk of people are returning home from work at five-ish p.m., right? And that's where people are going to see that. That's where they're going to consume that advertisement. We do. We talk about this. I mean, in, in our world, we can dictate if somebody's coming to us, and I, and I won't, I promise I won't branch down the digital road too much, but like we can say we want this ad for 
I don't know what, what we'll use hungry man dinners. I don't want this amazing YouTube ad for hungry man dinners to run until this time block. Mm -hmm. And you can dictate when that, if it's a YouTube pre-roll ad or something like that, you can dictate when that ad is run based around when are your people thinking about that, right? I mean, if you're going to advertise brownies and you're the, what's the Betty Crocker brownies, Maybe advertise those in Boulder, Colorado, around 10 p.m. on a Friday. That's a, that's a, that's a pretty a sure bet. Yeah. yeah, but but there's a lot more that goes into that, right? Uh, and and then what's what's the impact? I don't know. I guess this is some. We have some t- statistics, boy. Some little getting all tongue tied that we'll look at in a moment. But when you look at static versus digital, like. How do you how do you look at that when you're putting up a billboard and it's in a place where you're heading towards something that is particularly scenic? Like if I'm driving into, I don't know, I don't know that Denver has the greatest skyline when you're coming from Boulder, but like if you're driving into New York City or something, you kind of come around and you're in the Jersey Turnpike and you're about to cross the GW Bridge if you're coming in from that direction, you see this skyline open up in front of you and you're so busy going, hey, there's the Chrysler building. Hey, there's the World Trade Center. Here's this, here's this. Are you really paying attention to a billboard? Is it going to impact your audience as much as it should? And if it is, when? You know? And I think that there are considerations like those that also go into placement, scheduling, now that we can schedule billboards, um, that make things more or less impactful. And I wanted to I wanted to build upon something you just said there, uh, and I don't have necessarily any statistics to back this up, but uh, when I'm watching something, I, I do not like ads as a consumer, right? I, I do everything I can to personally avoid ads. Um, and... You know, I'm sure I'm guilty of it. I, I don't I don't have an example, but I'm sure I'm guilty. It's like, oh yeah, you know, I, um, for instance, I watch a lot of hockey and okay. and sports in general. But every year they find a way to put an additional piece of digitally overlaid advertising mm-hmm. on whatever you're watching, um, and so it's not like you can just fast forward and get around ads. Right. Uh, but my point is. I, I tell myself uh, the ads that I cannot help but see, whether they're digital or in the real world, I tell myself they don't have an impact on my consuming habits. But I, I subliminally, I think they must. And I don't have I don't have statistics on this, but I, I think there is still some sort of net gain for these advertisers, even if even if we're convincing ourselves that we're above or <laughs> or ignoring them. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I do, I do that too. I skip ads if it's uh, YouTube or something because I know it costs people money and I, I don't want to cost them money. It's the same reason if I Google Jordan's pencils and an ad for Jordan's pencils come up, but then Jordan's pencils organic result is the first thing that comes up. I will not click on the ad because I know that it's going to cost you 10 cents or whatever it's going to cost you. And I don't, I don't want to do that because... I mean, I might care less if it's like, I'll pick on Chevy again because they got some scratch. They'll be okay. But Jordan's pencils is making money like 0.5 cents at a time. So, so it's, you know, I, I, I don't like to be impressed upon by this as well. But that said, what's interesting in the digital space as we, as we know it today is that we can be much more, um, 
conscious consumers, and I don't mean that in some environmental or esoteric sense, although that's certainly part of it as well, but we can be a conscious consumer in that if I'm going to buy a, a pencil and I Google best pencils near me or whatever, I don't know why, you know, those locally sourced artisanal pencils from Boulder County, Colorado, uh, made from beetle kill, of course, ethically sourced beetle kill that are chopped down by beavers, which are massaged and fed beer each night. <laughs> These mythical animals. So if I'm researching this thing and I've seen a billboard, then I go, oh, I've heard of Jordan's pencils because I saw this billboard every day on my drive to or from work, which to work would make the most sense because you're going to work, you're going to use a pencil at your drafting job because that's what you do. <laughs> so, God, I'm old school as shit. You're not going to pop that up. <laughs> AutoCAD or something. <laughs> if anybody below the age of 30 is listening to this, they're going to be like, what is this dude talking about? <laughs> but the point is that if I'm going to do that, I'm going to say, I've heard of Jordan's pencils, and then I'm going to go look at Jordan's pencils. And I'm going to say, is Jordan's pencil the really, are Jordan's pencils really the best pencils that I can get? This sweatshirt, this hoodie that I'm wearing right now, this is a good example because this is exactly how this came about. This hoodie, and I, it does play into the billboard thing, although I didn't see a billboard for this company. I had this billboard by this company um, called Electric. So Electric, uh, I believe their website is like Electric of California or something. It's a sunglass company, optics company. Um, they make really fantastic sunglasses. I had a pair which it's a longer story that I want to get into, but they're polarized on water is spectacular. Some uh, ski goggles that are fantastic. So they sent me this sweatshirt and it was a hoodie, black hoodie. Um, but I really liked the line of it. I liked how soft it was. I liked how it wasn't constricting. Um, it was just great. It, it fit me perfectly. Um, but then I wore it so much that like, you know, the elbows get mm. kind of like thin and you're like, Hey, I can actually see my elbow there. <laughs> um, cause I've been wearing it for like 10 years and I wanted a new one. And I went to the electric website, um, and I'm looking at it. They only had white, which I will never get, uh, because, it's not a dress shirt, number one. Number two, I will spill crap on it. Black is all forgiving. Um, and they had like a like a lighter gray, like a heather gray, but just lighter. So I was like, great. This is something I would get, but I really want the black one. And they didn't have the black one. Okay? Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, it sucked. So I started shopping. And I, I had heard about this company on a podcast. Um, I forget what podcast. I think it was Adam and Dr. Drew. And this is by a company called 10,000. I believe their website is 10,000, spelled out T-E-N-T-H-O-U-S-A-N-D dot C-C, I think. You can look that up and confirm me on that, Jordan. Um, but 10,000 makes some great stuff. I have a friend who just set a couple ultramarathon world records, um, and he is uh, sponsored by, to whatever degree, 10,000 as well. They make, I had never tried it. And so I saw the sweatshirt is very expensive for a freaking hoodie. It was like $110 for a hoodie, but I got it and it's got pockets all over the place, all this fancy crap. I love it. So, <laughs> but I got it and it, and for me, it's more about the line. Cause I didn't want the sweatshirts that have the very tight waist. And then it looks, you look like a, a bulb, you know, I didn't want that. Um, so I found this sweatshirt. I did a lot of shopping. And my point is that I was impressed upon by an ad on a podcast 
And then I did my research. And because we have the summation of human knowledge in the palm of our hand, we can do that very, very quickly. And so even if I see a billboard today, my, my reaction to that, if I'm going to say, oh, I've heard of this billboard that I just saw for this sweatshirt, what have you, um, I'm going to still go and, and go do research because we have the attention span of a methodicted goldfish at this point. So, <laughs> yeah, and you bring sense? up, yeah, absolutely. And you bring up several good points, if I may uh, build upon that again. Uh, it's, it's that notion of, so we've been doing these searchers intent mapping exercises for mm -hmm. our customers. And one of the, and I usually, I'm the one that leads them uh, and <clears throat> excuse me. And um, something that we recently added was we always had the primary search origination, uh, origination. Sorry, <laughs> I'm struggling over here, obviously. <laughs> You're good. We've always had the primary search origination as a, uh, as an exercise within the, the mapping. Um, but I was like, well, you know, really to gather as much detail as we can. And, and just as a little background, these searchers intent mapping, uh, we're using these for paid client, paid ads clients to give them a stepping stone uh, into the world of paid ads. So we come together as a group uh, at Mondo uh, and we we're trying to put ourselves in the persona of our clients clients. So their customers, our clients, customers to imagine uh, where are they going to be? What are they going to be searching? Where are they going to be searching these terms? Um, whether that's in Google or they're yelling at their Amazon Alexa device. Right. Uh, and then, yeah. And in, in which keywords are definitely not their customers. So that's, it's all about trying to, give them a leg up in that ad space. So it's, it's very effective. So something, sorry. No, you, no, please go ahead. You, go so ahead. something we've added lately to build upon that is the secondary uh, origination origination of the search, right? Because uh, it's great. Yeah, sure. Great. Okay. You're looking for my pencils. You're looking for Jordan's pencils. And of course they're the best. You don't need anybody to tell you that. You know, and I don't even need to run paid ads like that. that the SEO word of mouth is more than enough. Right. Uh, and they all, they're always sharp. You know, it's like the Ginsu knife only Always. for pencils. Uh, and so, 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 but it's like, yeah, okay, so great. You, um, you're searching for a term, uh, you're searching for, so you're searching for Jordan's pencils. Uh, oh, you're searching for pencils and you find it on Google, but then you're like, ah, hey, you know, I want to vet this. Right. So then, uh, where, where do you go? Uh, and, we haven't run a sim for, for Jordan's pencils, but I think people would be inclined to go to like a, a Facebook or a, some sort mm -hmm. of social media to say, Hey, has somebody else used this pencil? And uh, do you like it? Do you, do you absolutely hate it? Or uh, is it really soft? Is it too soft? Does it melt in your hand? Um, how many licks to get to the center? These are all very important questions when it comes to, uh, to pencils. Uh, but anyway, uh, my, my point is that um, it's, the, the way you get as a consumer to the finish line and the finish line being buying a product uh, is not always straightforward. It's not as the crow flies. Um, so even just seeing something for 10,000 uh, hoodies could linger with you for a time and then manifest itself uh, later. Yeah. And now that... And, and billboards, signage broadly, <clears throat> things can be on the creepy side of marketing, right? The creepy side is that we can tell if you look at a particular sign 
if if this is something that a client is doing. And this is super high level stuff. Uh, this is not Jordan's pencils doesn't have the budget to do this sort of thing. But like, <laughs> if you're standing in front of a sign, we can geographically ping you based on your phone location, right? And so we can make sure that then you go home, you've seen this sign because we can tell there are signs, guys. If you go to a mall, for instance, some malls, do malls exist anymore? You go no. to a place where there's a sign and you're looking at something and you it can tell when your eyes look at the um, screen and whether you're not, paying any attention to it it can tell what you've ultimately tapped on you know all of these things and then it can track you later on and hit you go well jordan was going to the calligraphy store to sell somebody's pencils well then jordan can be hit later with a youtube ad or a pre-roll podcast ad or a mid-roll podcast ad like this one right here from jordan's pencils just kidding <laughs> <laughs> but you can determine where those things are going to ping people so there's a there's a lot there and and billboards aren't quite like that because you've got to break that down. That CPM is going to be, okay, how many cars, for instance, the M of the cost per mile, right? How many cars go past this sign in a day? Okay, well, it's 10,000 cars in a day. Okay, of those cars, roughly, what percentage of them have one person in them? And we're in the United States, so it's pretty good chances of one person in it. <laughs> how many of those cars have one person in it? of consuming age only, and then how many that have kids and kids don't really matter, depends. But you you break down all these statistics to say, well, is this cost going to be there for us? And then those people that are renting that sign, excuse me, the advertiser, whether it's Clear Channel or Lamar or somebody like that, they are certainly paying rent for the land. And then they're paying rent for kind of a, a circumference of land. I don't know what that is exactly. And then how does that affect the bottom line? It is kind of interesting how affordable billboards can be. But if you have a billboard for, I don't know, popsicles in Siberia, it's probably not, you, you might get a great deal on it. Congratulations, you got a great deal on something that's not effective. So I, I just think it's, I, my kind of larger point around all marketing, billboards included, is that be deliberate about where you go and where your customers are, who they are. What do they, what do they drive? Are they paying attention? Cause I cannot, I, and we'll go into statistics here in a moment. I can't think of the last time that I was like, that's a great billboard. I'm going to call that. I just can't. Um, the, t the statistics they have here, and Jordan, I sent you links. If you want to look at those as I go as well. Sure. Sure. The statistics they have are, kind of say otherwise, um, which is very interesting. So I'll, I'll, I'll go with this, this link, uh, Jordan, the one that is back 40 design. So there's a company called back 40 design and they have billboard advertising statistics, cost and effectiveness. Now this was written. And I think when it was written is important too, December 14th of 2020. So b bear in mind we're another year at that point, we were what nine months ish, eight months into uh, the pandemic. So that might've pivoted things a little we bit. Were? I'm, <laughs> as far as I can remember, I can't remember who can tell everything runs together. <laughs> I'm paying what? Um, <laughs> so first 71% of people consciously look at billboards when driving. So we're not going to get super detailed with all these just for time's sake. I have to wonder Jordan, 
is this if they're not playing with language here a little bit. So I wonder if they're saying, as opposed to people who unconsciously or subconsciously look at billboards, as opposed to, yeah. what about people who just don't look at billboards at all? Uh, what about the definition of people? Like, <laughs> yes. who are they defining as people here? My uh, dog is all over those billboards <laughs> and she, I treat like a princess. So it's all good. I, I think my you're, phone. you're absolutely right though. Yeah. Like, uh, the conscious, unconscious. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, 71%, I guess, meaning that you're not being, you're, you're actually paying attention. If, if a hundred percent of people see a billboard, this is where I don't quite understand that statistic. If a hundred percent of people who see the billboard, 71% of those people are consciously observing mm -hmm. the billboard. Mm -hmm. So it's a little hinky. Yeah. Yes. Ambiguous. Um, yeah. Um, over 50% of people say they've been highly engaged by a billboard they've seen uh, in the last month. And there are, we, again, we'll have this in the, the uh, whatchamacallit, the show notes. So there are sources to each one of these things. Uh, Americans spend almost 300 hours in their car each year. That makes sense, I guess, um, depending on where you live. There are currently 342,306 billboards in the United States and almost 8,000 of these are digital billboards, which mm. if we're doing the math on that, 8,000 billboards, they're just simply speaking about the, the facility. They're not speaking about the ads which run on them, right? Because if 8,000 has a circulation of 10 ads. Yeah, exactly. If, it, so then that would be mil more <clears throat> from a just serving ad standpoint. Mm -hmm. um, out of home advertising, <clears throat> excuse me. So those are kind of, so then wait, I want to go really quickly also to mobile billboards. Okay. So we've seen these, particularly if you're in like Vegas, that seems oh, yeah. to be the thing, you know, the trucks. Yeah. Yeah. They, they drive around and it's really, it's two dimensional and, and it's, but yeah. there's two sides to the dimension, right? Yeah. It's interesting, right? Um, okay. So then some billboard costs. So billboard prices vary depending on location. Some cities within the United States can be costly according to statistics. And these statistics come from blue line media. Um, Oklahoma city averaged $1,800 per month, uh, while Seattle, Washington averaged around 4,000. So, um, they put a few locations in here, for instance, Oklahoma City, Dallas, uh, Denver, Miami, Seattle, and Portland. So Oklahoma City, 1,800, Dallas, 2,500, Denver, 2,000, Miami, 3,500, Seattle, 4,000, Portland, 2,000. And I don't know why. And, and I would also be very curious because Portland in particular, and Seattle, quite frankly, um, since December 2020, when these statistics were compiled, at least this article was written, um, Portland has hit the skids. Their murder rate is up like 300% or some nonsense like this. Um, and Seattle is not far behind them in terms of violent crime and things like that. I would imagine that that certainly could affect the cost uh, of doing those things. I would imagine they're both lower at this point, wouldn't you? 
Yeah, absolutely. And if I may interject something that's Please. tangential, but highly, highly pertinent. Um, so I'm combining two uh, statistics sources, which I will include in, in the show notes. But uh, the first is the average amount that a billboard in Times Square generates in revenue annually, which is 260000 um, so if you hold that in your head, the the amount that a billboard in Times Square on average will generate for the company, 260000 and then mm-hmm. you compare that to the cost of that billboard in Times Square, uh, which I'm getting from a different source, but that could be from $5,000 a day to $50,000 a day. So even if it was $5,000 a day, that's $1.8 million. So, you, you know, you have a net loss of one point, you know, five, oh, sorry. Yeah. One point. Yeah. Five or three million, whatever, whatever. Yeah. One point. Sorry. It, yeah. It's 1.5 something. Million. Yeah. That's, that's a loss. And that's on the low end. That's on the low end. Right. I mean, you could easily multiply that by a figure of 10, um, to, to get those, those revenues. Well, so then, I mean, then the question about that, that's a great point. The question then becomes, what is the point of the billboard? You know, is it a sale right there? Is that what it's trying to do is make that sale right here, right now? Or is it branding? Yeah, like brand awareness. Yeah. You know, because to me, yeah, that's a that's a great point. It seems that it's very, I mean, it, if you're generating revenue in one, I mean, I guess it would depend on your ticket price, right? So like, I don't know the, the thing in Times Square, you're seeing a lot of Coca-Cola and mm-hmm. you know, the M&M store and whatever, and like tickets to a Broadway show or something like that. Well, one Coca-Cola's, I don't know what a Coke costs. I've bought a Coke in years, but let's say $2, I don't know, a 20 ounce bottle. Do, are you selling enough of those to warrant it? And it doesn't sound like you are, but you're kind of, there because you have to be, I guess. Exactly. Right. Because if you're not there, the fear is that Pepsi Cola will, will become the f- four in most people's brains potentially. Right? Yeah. It's so wild. Yeah. I, I, I can't imagine. I mean, these companies aren't small companies, so they could afford to lose it, I guess. Um, but sure. Then it's a rounding error, right? It is, but then it's also a breach of fiduciary duty to their stockholders. So, or shareholders, I guess I would say. Yes. Um, but, so, but it would be even worse if they went out of business, right? But if, that's if true. They, if they lost popularity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if you're going to have a billboard, so they, there are some design costs here. So design, um, so at Mondo, you know, we, we actually, Jordan, I'm like, Jordan, did you know? Mondo <laughs> actually started as a sign shop 30 years ago called American Paintbrush in Laramie, Wyoming. It is still there, still cranking and still part of us <laughs> i'm part of you bro <laughs> so, <laughs> so um uh anyway what happens is quickly if you have a sign shop is that people come in and they're like hey i want to sign for jordan's pencils you're like great what's your logo look like you're like no idea and then it graphic design quickly becomes part of it so you actually have to have a billboard design now I'm going to talk about some of these in a moment with the um, <laughs> the billboards competing against one another, which is my favorite thing. I love it. Um, but you have to have it designed, and that doesn't include the cost for materials. So if you choose to outsource your billboard design, the cost can range from between $150 to $1,000, depending on if you choose a freelancer or an agency. I'd say that's probably pretty accurate. When I see that, I think it's kind of low. 
I think I, it's kind of low too, but it, I, f- I feel like that assumes no changes or modifications were yes. requested. <laughs> Good point. That's yeah. That's one design, right? No modifications. It's like, all right, what do you want? There's some research done and then here it is. Uh, materials cost vinyl banners, a great material to use for physical billboards and costs around $1 to $1 50 cents per square foot. Um, if you're using something that's designed and you're using a bi- digital billboard, there's no reason to obviously worry about material costs. You're certainly going to be paying for electricity, but that's probably built into the built into the cost of the rental. Uh, I would imagine. I, I just want to add something here. That's interesting Please. about this, this material cost. They mentioned vinyl, um, but, but then they, there's, there's a lot that goes into it, right? Like, uh, in my mind, the more expensive aspect is going to be putting ink on that vinyl or, or it, and most people aren't just using one color of vinyl and right. then using the negative space that's been weeded out um, to, I mean, maybe I'm totally off base here, but I, I feel like they're missing some material costs here that, that could be significant. And labor. I mean, oh, that's, oh yeah, that's what they're call they're calling that installation cost, um, which is probably included in the rental rate. But that's I think that's kind of a pro to me of the digital mm-hmm. versus a traditional uh, billboard ad. You know, a, a traditional is going to be less expensive, and you're going to have more inventory. Um, there are no technical issues. Simultaneous to that, it's also something that it needs all the it needs a design. Well, everything needs a design cost. It needs a print cost, if you will, um, production cost, I guess. Uh, whereas digital doesn't, it's just kind of there, you know, and it can be multi-tenant. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and, and then I think when those break down, you know, you talked about the cost of a billboard. I think it's broken down also based on not just an annualized cost, but how much do you want it to run in a day, you know, and they'll give you like, okay, well you can run in, 10 minute slots, for instance. I don't know if that's accurate or not. But all these things are considered because if you're in Times Square, you're going to pay a lot less for something that's going to run uh, 10 minutes, 10 times a day than you are for something that's 24 7, you know? So, um, <clears throat> okay. So I'm going to pull up this thing. I'm trying to share my screen here for you, Jordan, and we can talk through these things. Um, for our people that are just watching. Actually, no, we're not going to do that. I'm going to send you a link and we'll just look at it together. Um, So this is what I was talking about when when billboards start throwing shade at one another. It is one of my favorite things. Like PETA put up some billboard, PETA, which stands for people eating tasty animals. And (laughs) they, they put up a billboard digging on like seafood they were like this is murder and then old bay put up put up a sign beside it that was like yes tasty tasty murder (laughs) so so (laughs) not making any statements guys calm down but we go into this thing right here so the first thing on this ad again check the check the show notes it says this is two ads in uh I don't know. It looks like it might be kind of the south end of Times Square, but I don't really think so. I think it's somewhere else in New York. But it says, it's one billboard that says, Dear Netflix. Um, no, what is it? I, anyway, there are two billboards of the same brand. I don't feel like this is actually very... Uh, it's, it's like the same company, though. Yeah, that there, doesn't make yes. any sense. We'll go to the next yeah. one. Forget yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Next one's good. 
So um, this next one is Audi and BMW like going at one another. So, um, and there are four things going yeah, on in this picture. there's four things. And I can't see the first one. What does that one say? Uh, that's an Audi. I, I'm not sure exactly. It says, uh, no, no, your something's. Move, that's what yeah. it says. Your move, BMW. And then to the right of it, there's a BMW sign billboard that says checkmate and it's bigger and flashier. And then to the right of that is BMW with their, or Audi with their R8, which is a supercar that says your pawn is no match for our king. An even larger billboard. Even larger yeah. billboard. And then BMW apparently won some F1 race and bought a blimp. <laughs> over top of it that says game over <laughs> i love it i love it um so then uh you know this one right here the i don't even know what this is this is the xiaomi i i, I don't know what that is but I, I guess it's a phone um they there's a sign where robert downey jr is holding uh, this phone called the one plus seven. Um, and then somebody, this Xiaomi company put right beside it, starkly superior to the latest one, right? So the latest phone of this other company. So they're saying starkly cause they're directly calling out the Tony Stark, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, let's see. Yes. So Starbucks, th this is a dig by McDonald's oddly by McDonald's on a billboard. Um, and it says, and it's a dig on Starbucks. It says four bucks is dumb. Now serving espresso. I'm loving it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really loving this Pepsi Coca-Cola battle. Yes. <laughs> that's fantastic. So it's a, uh, both ads. It's, it's the same image in the background. The text changes on the overlay, but it's effectively a Pepsi can draped in a cloak uh, that's that's Coca-Cola. It's a Coca-Cola cloak. And so the first one's the ad for Pepsi and it says, we wish you a scary Halloween. And then the same image, but for the Coca-Cola ad says, everybody wants to be a hero. <laughs> so you know what I'm curious about with this? Yeah. Same image. How do they get away with that? Yeah. I, I've been looking, I've been trying to see if there's like some idiosyncrasy where they can say, you know, oh, we only use 20%. The rest yeah, of there are a few. <laughs> Um, but it ain't much. <laughs> it's no, it's yeah, it's almost identical. <laughs> wow. That's wild. Um, so yeah, I, I, there, there are a lot of these out there. I'm trying to find, oh, you know what I was going to say is yes, sir, uh, please. probably the reason it's okay is because Pepsi started by using both brands, right? So they already put the Coke brand inside the Pepsi advertisement. So yes. by default, it has to be able to be used by the, the brand that was summoned, right? Yes. Yep. It's, it's very, here you go, 50, 50 brilliant, this is on Canva, 50 brilliant billboard ads that will stop you in your tracks and what you could do to learn about them. Um, I think that when you people get into these things, that's what people really bite on. Because we were talking about um, ads earlier and that you and I are both not big ad consumers. I don't really do blockers and stuff like that. Um, but I'm also on a Mac, so I don't get that much. But um, when Geico did those commercials and they were brilliant, did you ever see these where they're like, we've only got 15 seconds for this ad. So here it is. Go buy Geico. 
and then they would like freeze. There was one where it was like, they would just freeze frame and like play a song, but it was these people at dinner and they'd be like, can you pass this spaghetti? And then everyone would sit, sit real still, but they were clearly not paused. They were freezing themselves <laughs> and their golden know, retriever. Oh my God. It's brilliant. And the golden retriever, that's the family dog. Like, isn't frozen because it's a freaking golden retriever <laughs> and the people are like this and the dog is like knocking crap off the table. <laughs> I'm going oh, to it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. Um, I just sent you this, this one from this one from Canva here. Mm-hmm. Um, so in these, you know, you've got this light bulb thing, which is very cool. This one where the guy is bi- ripping up the billboard, uh, this other thing, which is, um, it's, it's a billboard built around the entrance to a tunnel. And it looks like you're driving into somebody's mouth. Um, <laughs> some of these are conceptual. I mean, you had the cup of noodles one, right, in Times Square that also steams because it's cup of noodles, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, this one, which has is using the negative space to, to point out the thing you used earlier uh, with Coliston uh, Naturals where at sunrise, it's one thing. Sunset, you see behind the picture of this lady. The lady is cut out. It's very, very cool. I, I did want to mention, since you mentioned that steaming one for Cup of Noodles. Yep. Um, in my research, I found that one of the most famous Times Square advertisements, I keep I keep wanting to say advertisements, which isn't wrong, but one of the most famous ones was uh, a camel smoking billboard in yes. 1941. And so it would, the, the guy's mouth would, and it was, I think it was a doctor, but it, it would puff out steam, uh, steam rings, uh, uh, you know, at a set interval. Um, so it's just, it's just interesting to think that there have been creative people around for, for a few years, right? Yeah. And I think that that, I mean, kind of to your point, I think that those are the things that for me, those are the things that stick. So, um, you know, there's a lot more we could kind of get into about board billboards. And I think that as we go, we should probably revisit this here and there because I, I think that it's a conversation around physical advertising because physical advertising still has a very, very strong place to my mind. The way that I look at billboards, the way that I look at most physical advertising these days is as a way to prop up the digital side. Now, 20 years ago is probably the opposite, quite frankly. Um, but right now I think that that's what it is. It's talking about if you have a di- good digital presence, then people are going to see you and go, oh, I remember that. Because we consume so many more. We're just talking on a on a uh, apples to apples comparison. Think about how many ads you consume in a day, Jordan. Even if you're driving like you and I both office from home quite a bit. And so even if you're driving like a normal nine to five and even with a couple errands here and there, think about how many ads you see in a day driving versus on your phone or your smart TV or your computer, it's exponentially more. Oh, so yes. Yes. I think we're, yeah. Exponentially more on the digital side. Exponentially more. Yes. Thank you. Which means there's the chance to stand out from the crowd. Right. Right. On the physical side. Yeah. And that's where I think that there are people, I know there are people, I was talking to a company, I won't mention who or what they were, but uh, I may have mentioned them before on on uh, a previous episode, but this guy, and they're a roofing company, and I don't mind saying that. Nice guy. Uh, a couple guys owned it, and we were having a good 
thing. We went to proposal and all this stuff. And I was like, listen, here's what we can do. We can talk about really direct ROI because you're talking about ads. I was like, this is what a click costs on average. This is what Google says you're going to convert based on statistics. Two to 4% of clicks are going to turn into business. One job is $12,000 in profit. Great. Here's what this is. Your ROI is around after fees and all that around 10x. Makes sense. And when, when it came down to kind of like the, um, are you going to go or not? They turned it down and instead said, oh, we got a great, we got a great deal on a billboard and the phone book. And I was like, okay, great. I, a, I bet you got a screaming deal on the phone book. It's like the popsicles in Siberia, but like the, the billboard thing, don't you, people are going to look online. Cause if you're just seeing a billboard, <clears throat> what's your ability to go? Oh, I see this company for, for Jordan's roofing. Cause Jordan has a roofing company now. Um, it's leftover pencils turns into shingles really. <laughs> or the opposite. <laughs> That's right. That's right. He recycles the shingles into pencils, shentils. So, <laughs> <laughs> but if I see a billboard for Jordan's roofing, then great. Am I going to remember when I get home in an average commute here in the United States, I think is around 15 minutes. Am I going to remember, Oh, I needed to call this roofing company or am I going to go online and say best roofer near me? Right. I think that the physical props up the digital very, very well. And it's a reinforcement, but I, I don't know that I look at it personally and I'm biased. I admit that as the primary thing these days. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Well said. So, uh, guys, we are over an hour. Jordan, shut up. Jordan's over there. <laughs> it's, it's always my fault. Always. You're so chatty. <laughs> That's it's, why they call me Kathy. Wait. It's, it's my fault. They do. <laughs> Only on Thursdays. Um, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Um, listen, if you have any questions for us, please, again, click the show notes. There'll be links down there where you can reach out to us. Uh, we do have an email address. Jordan, do you know what that is off the top of your head? I, I do not have it, no. Sweet. We'll have that in the show notes, so check that out. We have that because we created it for the show. But guys, Jordan, thank you so much for joining me, sir. For, yeah, thank for you. being my amazing co-host. The co-hostess with the mostest. That's right. It's a pleasure, always. Yeah, dude. Uh, thank you, all those of you who have listened. Please subscribe tell your friends, tell your other marketing nerd friends that if they want to come on our show, we can probably set that up. So in any event, that's it. I'm done talking. I, I over talked the outplay music. <laughs> hit it again. Hit it again. Hit, hit it, it again. again. Let's hit it again. There, wait, there it is. Jordan, thank you, sir. Thank you, B-dubs. All right, man. We'll see you guys. 